0: We'll go then to John chapter 1, at verse 44 onwards. We have found him, said Philip. Eureka! We have found him. It's real. Nathaniel said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And back came the rejoinder. Come and see. He's a fascinating man, is this man, Nathaniel? We deduce quite clearly and plainly that he was a great moralist. A man who believed in high principles. He was born without any shadow of a doubt in a fine religious home in Cana of Galilee. For when the Lord Jesus confronted him, he had no question or doubt or hesitancy in addressing him thus. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. The Lord Jesus would have never assessed the character of this man in this fashion had it not been for the fact that here was a man who had been brought up religiously with care. And great principles of morality have been inculcated in the early days of his upbringing. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight, Nathaniel was a man deeply dissatisfied. He waited and longed for the appearance of a messiah. There was a deep ache in his heart. There was a great vacuum in his soul, and he was dissatisfied. And that's his point we break into this story and see in three glorious movements the workings of a mighty God upon this moralist who became a loyalist. Think in the first place of the divine preparation of Nathaniel. Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The Lord Jesus had already encountered Nathaniel. But Nathaniel had known it from afar off. The prevenient workings of the Holy Spirit had taken their toll. Something was stirring in his heart. The divine preparation of Nathaniel Back again, behind this, the Lord Jesus had encountered Philip. And Philip was gloriously converted. And Philip became a soul winner straight away. And he started on this man. He said, I've got to find Nathaniel," And when he found him... You remember what he said to him? We have found him. We have found him of whom Moses and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel was doubtful. Nathaniel was skeptical. But Philip confronts him with these words. Listen to them carefully. We have found him. It was a presentation of Christ. I want you to notice that Philip didn't encounter him with an experience. He presented him with a person. Eureka! We have found him. We have found him. Of course, Nathaniel challenged it. When the Lord Jesus said, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee, he used that phrase, under the fig tree, in a very significant way. It was a descriptive term of the Jewish booth, the bivouac, as it were, in the backyard of every Hebrew home where the religious person sat down with his scrolls and read the Holy Scriptures, meditated, reflected, and said his prayers. And this man was a man of conviction, and this man knew very well that the Messiah was going to come. And when Philip breaks in upon his quiet musings and rouses him with the great word, Eureka, we found him. He began to ask questions. Our purpose here tonight is not to sing about an experience It's not to preach about an experience, true as that may be. Our holy task is to present a person. We have found him. We're not talking about a thing. We're not even talking about an experience. We're talking about a person. We have found him. We have found him. Not only was there the presentation of Christ, but there was the invitation to Christ. In this divine preparation of Nathaniel. Yes, said Philip to him. You're debating with me? You come and see. He was a model soul winner. He knew that it was useless to debate with a theologian. And being a model soul winner, he didn't try to press his point to prove whether he came from Nazareth or from Bethlehem. He just said, come and see. Come and see. And you know, such was the veracity, such was the vitality, such was the convincing approach of Philip the Evangelist that Nathaniel couldn't possibly say nay. And he came. The second thing I want you to notice about this fabulous little story of the moralist who became a loyalist is what I'm calling the divine revelation to Nathaniel. For as Philip brought him along to the Lord Jesus Christ, you remember what happened? Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith unto him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. In these words we see a self-disclosure of the Lord Jesus. He's now confronting Nathanael face to face. And as always, Jesus always speaks to the level of our understanding and our intelligence. He always employs language that meets our particular need. Now, you know, Philip probably didn't understand those terms, behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no guile. Peter probably couldn't beg head or tail of it. I don't know. That's purely speculative. But I know somebody who understood what that meant. It was Nathaniel. Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no guile. You see, what was happening was this. The Lord Jesus was disclosing his own sovereignty. What the Lord Jesus was saying to this man and he understood it? You know the story of Jacob? Well, you're a son of Jacob. You're a son of Jacob. But you're more than that. You're a son of Israel. But how did he become Israel? Jesus deliberately pointed his finger at Nathanael and said, You're a son of Israel. Why didn't he say a son of Jacob? A son of Israel. Why? Because there was a longing man there sitting under his booth. Reading the scroll, the one who mastered Jacob of old and turned him from Jacob to Israel, turned him from a twisted to a prince with God and with me. I want that Messiah. I want that Messiah. And in that one phrase, the Lord Jesus disclosed himself as the sovereign master who takes a twisted, broken, beaten life and makes it a life of power, of nobility and strength. With God and with man. The revelation to Nathaniel of Jesus Christ as sovereign. But there was the revelation to Nathanael of Jesus Christ as God. Not only the glory of his sovereignty, but the glory of his deity. Did you notice that fascinating little touch? Jesus said to him, "Nathaniel, you're an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. I'm predicting that of you. You're going to know my sovereignty. And just as I dealt with Jacob, I'll deal with you. But he said something else to him. When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. How knowest thou me? How do you know my heart's strivings? How do you know that I long to be a true Israel? How do you know all that? When thou wast under the fig tree, in your booth, reading scrolls, meditating, reflecting, I saw thee. Now you know that was a self-disclosure of deity. Only God is omniscient. Only God knows our thoughts afar off. Only God can detect us under our fig tree long before he ever appears in person. And Nathaniel was rocked by this. I'm standing in the presence not only of a sovereign, but of God. Not only king, but God. Jesus stands amongst us in a moment of glorious self-disclosure, and he says, I'm your sovereign, I'm your God the revelation of his glorious sovereignty, the revelation of his glorious deity. I don't believe we've ever come face to face with Jesus Christ until we see him that day the Bethlehem, that Savior who was born 2,000 years ago, a glorious Lord, yes, and a glorious God. The last thing I want to say about this story, which is the crucial point, of course, about it all, how this moralist became a loyalist, is the third movement, not only the divine preparation of Nathanael, not only the divine revelation to Nathanael, but the divine operation in Nathanael. And Nathanael looked at him and said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Whether he knelt to say those words were not told, but there is a spirit of reverence and there are words of allegiance I want you to notice in the first place that this was the response of faith, the acceptance of faith. Thou art the Son of God. I open my entire being to thy deity. Thou art the Son of God. And Jesus said to him something very strange and yet very wonderful. Jesus said, because I saw thee under the fig tree, thou hast believed. Verily I say unto thee, Hereafter ye shall see the heavens open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. As soon as he said, Thou art the Son of God, Jesus said, Wait a minute. Are you believing in me as God just because I am omniscient, and I saw you sitting under your fig tree? Listen, listen, I've got something greater to tell you. Verily I say unto you, Henceforth ye shall see heaven open, and you'll see the angels of God descending upon the Son of Man and ascending. Now, of course, this man knew his Old Testament well enough. He knew the story of Jacob well enough to remember that at Bethel, God had given a vision, a dream to that fugitive Jacob. And as Jacob lay there, you remember, on that pathway, and he lay his head upon that stone, in the middle of the night, he saw a vision, and he saw a vision of heaven open, and he saw a ladder, stretching from earth to heaven and from heaven to earth. And he saw angels ascending and descending. And many a time, many a time, he had sat in that arbor of his. Many a time he had sat under that fig tree of his and tried to figure out, what does that mean? What does that mean? I want to be a son of Israel. I want to know this Messiah sovereign in my life. I want to know the change in my life that Jacob experienced when he was turned from Jacob to Israel. But what does that mean? Heaven open, a ladder, angels ascending and descending. What does that mean? Jesus looked into his face and said, listen, Nathaniel, you're prepared to believe that I am God because I saw you afar off under a fig tree and knew all about your thoughts. Listen, The reason I can do that is that I'm the very one who fulfills that vision. I am that ladder. I am that ladder that stretches from heaven to earth. The angels have heralded my coming, and they've come down. The angels are going to herald my going, for they're going to say, He's not here, He's risen. See the place where the Lord laid Him. I am the fulfillment of that vision. I am the only one that can stretch from heaven to earth I am the only one that bridges the gap between God and men. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." Or in the language of Saint Paul, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I am the Son of God. I am the Son of man. I am the Son of God because I came down from heaven. I am the Son of man because I go up to heaven. Yes, I am the God-man, and angels heralded my coming. Angels are going to herald my going. I'm that ladder. I am the way to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen here tonight, if you're going to know the divine operation in your heart that changes a decent living person into a genuine Christian, a moralist into a loyalist, not only have you to see the self-disclosure of Christ as sovereign and God, but you've got to accept him as such and you got to accept him as the only one who bridges the gap between heaven and earth. But something else happened. Not only was there the acceptance of faith on the part of Nathaniel, but there was the allegiance of faith. He said, thou art the son of God. That's the acceptance of faith. Thou art the king of Israel. That's the allegiance of faith. You called me a son of Israel. Thou art my king. I own thee as my sovereign, the king of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen and young people here tonight, I want to tell you this. You can be a reader of the Bible. You can have your devotional time every day. You can have your little fig tree, and you can be in that arbor every day. I say you can have morality without life, and Nathaniel discovered it that day as he stood or knelt in the place of the Savior's presence, and with a disclosure of glorious sovereignty, with the self-disclosure of glorious deed, he dropped on his knees. He said, Thou art by God. That was the acceptance of faith. Thou art by King. That was the allegiance of faith. And the moralist became a loyalist, committed totally to Jesus Christ. Man must be born. Again and there's only one way to be born again. by accepting Christ as your Saviour and sovereign, accepting Christ as your Lord and your God. Do you? A dear moralist here tonight want to become a loyalist, following Jesus Christ in the way, then swing wide the door of your heart in the acceptance of faith, swing wide the door of your life in the allegiance of faith, and say to him, "Thou art the Son of God, thou art my king." the King of Israel. Change my name, change my nature, change my future into what thou dost design for me. For thou art my God, thou art my King. David, I want to join you in saying Happy Mother's Day to all who are listening to this program. I agree with you. A character we are studying must have had a very wonderful mother because he knew the scriptures and he must have known them as a child. And I can just imagine a mother taking Nathaniel on her knee and just reading the Old Testament Scriptures. He was able to respond to Christ in the most biblical way, as we would say today. And so, I say to you, Mother, teach your child to be a Nathaniel. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, Dad, this is a powerful message today, a moralist who became a loyalist. And in your sermon you talked about hearts being prepared for an encounter that comes to those who hunger and thirst after God. What is that encounter and how are hearts prepared for it? Well,
0: part of the answer we've given already, the influence of a godly mother on a little boy who one day became this loyalist for Jesus Christ. But you know, there's an expression theologians use which is very, very meaningful to me. They call it the prevenient workings of God. Venient is the word come or coming. Prevenient means coming before. And you know, nobody eventually comes to faith in Christ without a preparation that goes even beyond our preaching. No man comes to Christ except the Father draw him. Now, our Lord actually made that statement no man comes to me except the father draw him now i believe there are aspects of what we do as soul winners and that is pray for an individual and of course introduce them to scripture but i think it's the testimony life that i want to emphasize i believe what a person sees in me as a christian is a preparation and Overruling that and using that, of course, is the Holy Spirit who ultimately generates faith
1: in the heart through the Word of God. Well, you mentioned the testimony life and what one person can do to draw another to the Lord. Philip brought Nathaniel to Christ by three little words, come and see. How might we follow Philip's example as we seek to bring a friend or a family member to Christ? Well, I believe what I
0: said a few moments ago is very important, and that is one's own personal testimony. But in addition to that, I think is sharing Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And you know something? Even though you quote Scripture in a what I call a paraphrase, so that it doesn't sound old. Testament or New Testament or biblical, it's everyday language. I believe that's sowing the word which creates the faith. You know, when the Lord Jesus went to the sorrowing women, Martha and Mary, because of their brother's death, who was now four days in the tomb, you remember the Lord went up to the tomb and he said to his disciples, You roll away the stone. Now, he could have just said, Stone roll back. But he didn't. He said, you roll away the stone. And as soon as the disciples did that, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he that was bound hand and foot came out alive. And you know, I believe that one of the greatest preparations we can do is rolling away the stones, the obstacles.
1: Well, thank you, Dad. And I pray that for my own life and for all of us that we will be people that are not obstacles Indeed, we will be people that remove obstacles by our testimony and the way we live. Well, the message that we've just heard, a moralist who became a loyalist, is available for a gift of any amount to this ministry. We also want to let you know about the whole series, Change Lives, which includes 12 messages on six cassette tapes. This is our resource offer this week, and Dad, You know, you've mentioned this before, that this is a very special series to you, and it can be a great help to people in not only emphasizing the power of the gospel, but it can be used in an evangelistic way. As a matter
0: of fact, every one of these studies is an evangelistic thrust, and they are designed to literally carry the gospel by what I call flesh and blood. Mm. These are people who are actually changed by Jesus Christ. And if he could do that with them, he can do that
1: with me. Amen. Well, the tape series again is Changed Lives. It's a great resource and it is available along with a free catalog of our other resources. Our address and phone number will be mentioned by our announcer in just a moment or so. So please stay ready to copy it down. A free copy of our Lifeline leaflet Yield All will be sent to all who contact us and request it this week. Well, our center here in Memphis, Tennessee, will be hosting a number of institutes and events this year. And coming up shortly will be our Essentials of Expository Preaching Institute, June 7 to 10. If you have an interest in rightly dividing the word of truth, of teaching the word of God, preaching the word of God, we encourage you to find out about that institute. You can contact our office or look us up at olford.org. That's our website, olford.org. For my father and all of the staff at Olford Ministries International, I thank you for listening today. Remember that Encounter is a listener-supported ministry. So please share a financial gift with us today if you're able. Let us know how we should pray for you or how we can help you spiritually. Now this week, let's, like Philip, with radiance and reality, influence our friends and acquaintances to come and see Jesus. Now, please stay tuned for instructions about how to contact us. The Stephen Olford Center for Biblical Preaching offers many powerful ministry and training resources that will help you grow in your faith and in your ability to present truth effectively in the power of the Holy Spirit. To find out more about our resources and events, find us on the web at olford.org. Or you can write or email us this week, and we'll send you a free catalog and conference schedule. Now, here is Dr. Stephen Olford with an important final word.
0: This is Stephen Olford, and here I am once again with a very personal word to you. Nothing thrills us more than when you write to us. When you write to us, you're telling us in a practical way that you are listening. You are praying for this ministry. It is even more meaningful when you attach to your letter. A gift to undergird this ministry. As David has often said, this is a ministry of faith. We have no guarantee outside of the promises of God and the people of God. We trust the promises of God, but we also trust the people of God because God uses people. So stand with us and thank you so much for being part of our audience. God bless you.
1: This is David Olford. You're going to be listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Ulford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, our web address is olford.org. That's O-L-F-O-R-D dot board. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching which could also be found on our website. Thank you so much for listening.